Welcome to worship with Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. At Dawson, we seek to be found faithful as God's people as we become and help others become faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Now join us as we worship God through the teaching of His Word in today's message. Church, as we continue to worship, I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, the first letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12 and following. Hold your place in 1 Corinthians 15 because we'll come back to the ending portion of this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Years ago, I heard the story of an Easter program that didn't go quite like the church had planned for it to go. It was an annual Easter. Some of you maybe remember the Easter pageants of decades ago that churches would put on. Choir was filled to the brim with resounding music, much like our orchestra and instrumentalist and choir has led us so beautifully this morning. They would have church members that throughout the decades would play the different parts of the Holy Week narrative. So you'd have church members that would reenact the Jewish leaders. They would dress up and reenact the parts of the Roman soldiers. You'd even have some of the church members that would be the angels. One of the church members had this harness system that he had made that could hoist the angels far above the choir into sort of the loss of the sanctuary. So it, it, was a, it was an Easter pageant to remember, and the community and the church looked forward to that as a gift to the church, a gift to the community every year. The crescendo of the choir with He is Risen would lead to this dramatic uh, moving of the prop stone. The stone that was there in the makeshift tomb had a, a harness lift, a, a, a motorized lift, that when the narrator would come over sort of the sound system and say, sometime in the bleakness and the darkness of that Sunday morning, there was a sound of a stone rolling away. That was the cue. Press one button in rehearsals. It worked all throughout the week, but for whatever reason, he pressed the motorized lift and the stone didn't move. Just sat there, press it again, press it again, press it again, press it again. It didn't move. So the director, big eyes, the director has a very few options. I, I think you know this on Easter Sunday morning. The director can't quite send in the Roman soldiers to nudge the stone out of the way. She's thinking to herself, well, if, if only the angels were a little bit closer, but the angels were sort of in the rafters of the sanctuary, so the angels couldn't move the stone. So they sat there on that Sunday morning with a stone that did not and could not be rolled away. Senior pastor of the church is sitting there realizing what is going on. One role that a senior pastor has is in times like this, you better have something to say. And so that Easter Sunday morning, he stood up before the congregation with a stone that was immovable behind him and said, well, church, praise God, that's not exactly how it happened. <laughs> now think about that because this morning I want us to ask and to answer a central Easter question. My friends, it is an essential Easter question question to be answered. 
What if the stone didn't roll away? What if the women that first Easter Sunday morning did not come back to an angel of the Lord to greet them? What if we are gathering here this morning and Jesus wasn't raised from the dead? What would we lose? Almost 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul takes what we might think as a theoretical question and answers the question. As he's talking about the the resurrection of the dead, he goes off on a, a theological aside to be able to address this very question. What if the stone didn't roll away? What if there wasn't an empty tomb? What if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. But the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What if the stone didn't roll away? Church, if the stone didn't roll away, there would be no forgiveness in the face of our sin. Look with me again at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. What we gather together on Easter to celebrate is a glorious victory. It is, it is good news that there is victory over sin. We, we have to go back to Genesis to understand what really matters about Easter. And that is that God, who in all of his infinite wisdom chooses to create. And he creates man and woman and he creates man and woman and he creates all of humanity in the Imago Dei, the Latin phrase that just simply means the image of God. There's something distinct and there's something unique about all of us as humans. And one aspect of the image of God is that that we can be in relationship with the infinite creator, that he desires a relationship with us, but we have a problem. While God has created us for that that relationship, there there is an obstacle to that relationship with the holy God. And that obstacle has a name, and that name is just a three-letter word that oftentimes we feel as if is distinct in our culture, sin. I mean, you call it what you want to, mishaps, mistakes, missteps, but sin is what this is. And what the Bible teaches us is, is that God who desires to have a relationship with us, there's an obstacle to that relationship and it is a moral and spiritual malignancy that only one can heal us of. And that is the great physician. 
So here's the diagnosis on Sunday morning. Before we get to the glorious good news, we have to understand the diagnosis. And the diagnosis is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We might not use the word as much as it was used 50 years ago or even 100 years ago, but we all have to admit in the, in the depths of our soul, there is sin that lurks. I mean, we, we, we go through life and we can hurt and disappoint those people that we really love. And none of us are immune to this. And we can love those things that hurt us and even in the end disappoint us. There's a problem that lurks in all of us. G.K. Chesterton, the great British novelist of the turn of the 20th century, was asked by a newspaper in Great Britain, Chesterton, what's wrong with the world? And Chesterton said, I am. I am. Sounds stark, doesn't it? But, but Chesterton is on to something here. Chesterton is saying that at the, 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 at the heart of the alienation between one another and the heart of the alienation between us and God is sin, which is an obstacle, sin that separates us from a holy God. So 17th century Italian painter by the name of Caravaggio was painting many depictions of biblical scenes. Maybe this is one of his more famous depictions entitled The Taking of Christ. And in the painting, he shows what you can see here that we celebrated and remembered this last week as a church in Holy Week. We remember the arrest. We remember the betrayal of one of the disciples, Judas, with a kiss, as you see, so visually depicted before us in this painting. There is Judas betraying Jesus. But there's one in the far right of this painting. Do you see him? There's one in the far right of the painting that's holding a lantern. Who is this person holding a lantern? Is it a disciple? The answer is no. Was it a Roman guard? The answer is no. Do you know who this is holding the lantern? It was the painter, Caravaggio, 31 years old, and he paints himself into this depiction of the betrayal of Jesus. What is he getting at? Was Caravaggio present at the arrest of Jesus? The answer was no, and the answer was yes. Were you present at the arrest and betrayal of Jesus? The answer is historically no, but the answer is historically yes. What do I mean by that? I mean, call it what you want, but it is our sin that ultimately leads to the betrayal, the arrest, and the death of our Savior. Maybe gluttony, gossip, lying, lust, betrayal, bitterness. I mean, it's a long list, and we can add, we can add hundreds, if not thousands, of examples from our own life that ultimately lead to the betrayal, arrest, and even the, the death of our Savior, because you see the penalty of sin is death. Someone is going to receive this penalty. And Easter is the beautiful celebration that we as humans have a problem that our Savior has provided the solution to. This is the heartbeat of Easter. The stone has rolled away. 
that reminds us that there is victory over sin. Jesus has lived a life that we could not live. It is a life of utter perfection. Jesus has lived a life that we could not live. He has fulfilled the law perfectly, and he dies a death that every one of us in this sanctuary deserve to die. And he died it as our substitute. He died in your stead. He died in my stead. He died in our place. This is the beauty of the gospel. It means this morning for your life and my life, it means nothing hypothetical. It means everything for you. It means you can be forgiven. It's great news. It's great news that your worst moment isn't your defining moment. It is great news that your worst day is not your defining day. It is great news that the problem of sin does not, for any follower of Christ, get the last word in your life. On the cross, Jesus has forgiven our sins. This last week, I was preparing this very message. Right now, the manuscript of the message, trying to get it refined. So, so praying through this very moment that you could hear this glorious news that God has forgiven you through his son of your sins. I, I want you to feel that. I want you to see that as I was looking at my sermon manuscript. All of a sudden, I saw that little red squiggly line that many of you probably have seen as you're typing things, which just says, hey, something is misspelled here. And as I looked, I saw that forgiveness was misspelled. How did I misspell forgiveness? Well, I mistyped the N for an M. So instead of forgiveness, it was forgiveness. Forgive mess. Forgiveness. Oh, it's misspelled. But it is the heart of forgiveness. Do you know that he desires to forgive the mess that maybe has been made in your life? That God desires to forgive the mess of, of decades ago and forgive the mess of this very morning, forgive the mess that lurks in your thoughts, forgives the mess that lurks in your actions, that forgives the mess that separates all of us from a holy God. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible it's found in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities. Who's the antecedent of their? It, it is us, our iniquities, our iniquities. More so in this passage, I will remember their sins. Don't you love this? I will remember their sins no more. This is astounding. We don't serve a forgetful God. He's not an absent-minded professor. He, he is not, he is a God before the foundation of the earth that is all-knowing. We have a big word for that, omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So what the Bible is telling us in light of your sin and in light of my sin, there's an accuser who has this long list who stands before God and says, here are all the reasons that they do not deserve a relationship with you as a holy God. I'm gonna list them out. And every mishap, every mistake, every misstep is read out and we are guilty as charged. I mean, we are. And one after the other, it is read and God the Father in that moment says, I remember them no more. Holy amnesia. Why? Because he just turns 
A blind eye to it? Why? Because he says, no big deal. No, he says in that moment, they've all been covered. Every last one of them has been covered. Every last one of them has been paid for. Every last one of them has been forgiven through Jesus's death on the cross. This is why we sing this as a church. Jesus has paid it all, all to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. Church, can you help me? He's washed it. What? White as snow. If the stone didn't roll away, there would be no forgiveness in the face of my sin, your sin, our sins. But praise God, the stone was rolled away. Also this morning, I want you to see just two twin truths that I want you to hold on to this Easter here. No four points, no five points, two truths that hold up us as Christians. If the stone didn't roll away, second truth, there would be no hope in the face of death. If you look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just scan down a few verses till you get to verse 54. Here, Paul, once again, is answering this question. If the stone didn't roll away, what would we lose? Well, Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's hope this morning. Every one of us will walk through the doorway that we know to be death. Every one of us will have an appointment where we pass through the domain that we know to be death. Every one of us have a sure destination as long as the Lord tarries his return. And that sure destination is your death and my death. But here's the good news. Death wasn't the final chapter for our savior. And death doesn't have to be the final chapter for you either. Death was not the curtain call of his existence. And this is our hope. It's the hope that he, he has tasted the brutality of death. He has drunk fully of the cup of suffering and he has lived and he lives forever to tell about it. His death was not, <laughs> it was not just a parade. It was not just a put on. It was not just pretend and make believe. Uh, there, there are all kinds of alternative theories that you can read about and you can see endless documentaries that, po uh, that pose for us alternative theories around Holy Week, one of which is that Jesus didn't actually die on Friday, but he fainted upon the cross only to be revived on Sunday morning. I heard a story years ago of a lady who was sitting in a church service who heard that kind of theory from her pastor and wrote the famous Bible teacher, J. Vernon McGee. Here's the way that story goes. She wrote, our, our pastor said that on Easter, Jesus just passed out on the cross and the disciples nursed him back to health. Dr. McGee, what, what do you think about that? And he wrote, dear sister, whip your pastor 39 times with heavy strokes nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear 
through his side. And after all of that, putting him in in an airless tomb for a couple of days and just see how successful you are in nursing him back to health. Of course, on Friday, he died. Of course, on Friday, he drunk from the bitter cup, the bitter cup of death. And he, he drunk it fully upon the cross to pay for your sins and my sins. So we join the chorus of the Apostles' Creed for thousands of years saying Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Jesus died the cruelest and most brutal of deaths. But, but death is not something that is unique in the Bible. We're not here because of a crucifixion alone. Thousands upon thousands of people died at the hands of the Roman invaders through crucifixion. It's not crucifixion that gets us up on Sunday morning. I mean, all throughout the Bible, you can go to the book of Genesis, and there at the very end, you have the patriarch, Joseph's death that ends that book. Flip over to the book of Deuteronomy. You've got Moses, who leads the people of God out of the Egyptian captivity. You know how Deuteronomy ends? It ends with Moses' death. Turn over to Joshua. You know how Joshua ends? Joshua ends with Joshua's death. Then you turn to the Gospels. You know how that ends? With an empty tomb. With a stone that rolls away. So it's not his death alone that draws us to song this morning. It is a stone that has been rolled away. It is the empty tomb that says that the defeat of death has occurred and there is hope for every last one of us. And through his resurrection, he transforms death as the enemy to death becoming the escort that ushers us into the presence of God who loves us and longs to be with us for eternity. Winston Churchill comes to the end of his life. Surprise, surprise that he diligently poured over his own funeral service. Thousands of people gathered to pay their respects, family members, dignitaries of the monarchy and the parliament. They gathered there at St. Paul's Cathedral. Churchill picked out the stately hymns that everyone sung together. He picked out the very people that would offer the eulogies and eulogies. Yes, he needed to be eulogized. The the global effect that this man had upon uh, the stage at a very crucial time in all of modern history here. The end of the service, the pastor offers the benediction and there in the very back of the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral, a trumpet player begins to play.
all in attendance. Set in silence of the moment. The solemn nature of taps being played, the, the somberness of the moment, the heaviness of this great man passing from the pages of history itself. People begin to get their belongings, to, to walk out of the cathedral, but before they're able to get out, another trumpet player begin to play. Church, you'll be proud. Thank you, Ryan. Can you give a round of applause for Ryan for leading us? Uh, Churchill, even in his death, was saying that when a follower of Christ says good night on earth, you're only saying good morning in eternity. You can play taps for a follower of Christ, but the revelry is right behind it because we enter into eternity and this is our hope for Easter. Jesus would tell us this way, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. This is the good news of Easter. Famous Puritan pastor Richard Baxter, 17th century, comes to the end of his life. He has one day left on the earth. One of his close friends comes to his home, looks down at this aged pastor who's gone through this long, hard illness and asks him this question, how are you doing? And this pastor looks at his friend and says, oh, I'm almost well. I'm almost well. follower of Christ, it's only with the empty tomb, it's only with the empty tomb that we see death not as a final enemy, but a divine escort to go to a place where we're headed, which is far greater than anything in any place that we've been where we're headed is far greater than what is behind us, where, where the one who has died for us, we're able to see face to face. This is the Easter message, which is not just an announcement for you to hear, but it is an invitation for you to receive. See, what a pity would it be for you to hear this, but not receive this. You see the victory over sin? that Jesus has won on the cross and through his resurrection can be your victory over sin. The victory over death that Jesus has won upon the cross and through his resurrection can be your victory over death, but you must receive this. It's not enough to be familiar with this message. It's not enough just to hear this message. It's not enough just to give intellectual assent to this message. As Paul would say, we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. You receive this message by trusting Jesus as your savior. What if the stone didn't roll away? There would be no forgiveness in the face of our sins. What if the stone didn't roll away? There'd be no hope in the face of our death. But praise God, 
praise God, the stone has rolled away. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our family of faith or to learn how to become a follower of Jesus, please visit DawsonChurch.org. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.